So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, Sports Talk with Broads. Here's Hunter Brody. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to Sports Talk with Broads. We are broadcasting live from the Manscaped Man Cave. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BROD at manscaped.com. I'm super excited to talk about this Eagles victory once again, but I'm not going to lie to you. This Sunday night football action, it's ruining my schedule because normally when the birds play at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I have my post-game podcast up around 6, 7 o'clock or so, and then the next morning I have my cup of coffee, I rewatch the Eagles game, I get my notes together, and I record the next morning podcast. But because the game is played at 820, by the time it's over, by the time I record my post-game podcast, it's so late, or if you want to say it's so early in the morning because it's about 1.30 or so in the morning, I can't just wake up and boom, go right at it again. I need time for it to breathe, so it changes things. I hate it. I want to get back on my schedule. I want to get my mojo back, but whatever. It is what it is. We we take sacrifices when your squad's on national TV, and guess what? At least you can wake up with a damn smile on your face because they actually came out victorious, and they lead the damn division at 1-2-1. One, and one. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It's embarrassing, quite frankly, but I'll take it because it's better than not being in first place in a dumpster fire division like the NFC East. I'm excited because not only am I going to talk about what I saw when I rewatched the game, but I'm also going to be taking your phone calls. I took your reaction to the victory, 25-20 to win over San Francisco. By the way, you can call in using the phone number, 856-442-9805. It's available 24-7. You can leave your message. I also utilize these phone calls. On 97.3 ESPN from 2 to 6 p.m. on the Sports Bash with my, with Mike Gill and myself. So I'm going to react to your reactions after I talk a bit more about what I liked out of yesterday's game. And there's some things that I did not like. First, though, Carson Wentz. And I forget where I heard this at, but I think it's the perfect analogy to Carson Wentz's game Sunday night. When basketball players who are shooters... When they don't have it that night, when they can't get into rhythm, when, they're, when their shot is just not falling, what do they do? Well, they go hard to the rim. They try and get layups. They try and get dunks. Maybe they get fouled. They go to the free throw line. They find other ways to get their game going. Well, right now, there's no denying that because they won, it's not as if Carson Wentz is just at the top of his game, right? 
It wasn't like he was perfect. He wasn't dominant. He wasn't elite. But you saw something. You saw a little more of the Carson Wentz that we remember. But he had flaws. You saw, though, equivalent to a basketball player going to the rack and getting fouled, you saw Carson Wentz do other things to get him going more, whether it was using his feet, whether it was just making stronger throws, whether it was trusting certain players out there. You saw a different Carson Wentz that we haven't seen yet this season. You can say baby steps. Okay, fine. It's baby steps. But I like the game plan that Doug Peterson had with Carson where it's, hey, let's utilize those legs. Run. Run. Not only that, get yourself out of the pocket. It's almost as if Doug Peterson has been listening to us because, I don't know, we've only been screaming about it for the last three games of the season. It's clear that Carson Wentz dropping back, staying in the pocket, it's not what it once was. It's not outstanding at the moment. So let's not do it as much as other things that Carson Wentz is good at. Let's get him out of the pocket. Especially when you have an offensive line that is one big band-aid and you're trying to mold it together. That's not a knock on Maialata. That's not a knock on Herbig or anybody else that stepped in when, let's say, Lane Johnson went out or Jason Peters went on the IR. I'm not knocking the offensive line, but it helps the offensive line as well when you flush him a certain way, and it also helps the quarterback who thrives in those moments. So I thought that there were plenty of great things out of Doug Peterson, and the more and more I think about that two-point conversion early, While I don't love it, I do love the fact that after the punt that happened against the Bengals, Doug Peterson established a game plan early and said, I'm going for it. Early in the week, I'm going for it. If the birds score first, if we score first, I'm going for it. And that's what I want out of the head coach. Get back to your guns. I might not love what your guns are all the time, get, but get back to your identity. Be who you are. And I feel as if Doug Peterson, he readdressed the message he sent with that punt, and he went, look, fellas, I trust you guys. You're my men. You're my soldiers. I'll give you the ball. You want to win this football game? I will give you the football game. Go make the plays. I think Doug Peterson was trying to make up for what he did against Cincinnati. And guess what? It worked. And Doug Peterson has been successful utilizing this method throughout his entire coaching career. Now, if you miss those two points, yeah, it could have been brutal. But if you make it, I think that's the difference in winning or losing the football game. And they made the play. And it was actually an excellent two-point conversion after Carson Wentz had an excellent touchdown run. I did hear from Doug Peterson Monday when he was talking to the media, and he was asked about Miles Sanders because Miles Sanders, and I alluded to this in the postgame pod, he was not there for the final couple running plays when they had the lead and they needed to get a first down. This was right around the two-minute warning in the fourth quarter. Boston Scott, Corey Clement, they're being used. And he said, yeah, well, we have certain packages. No, 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 no. This is Miles Sanders, your best offensive weapon. He's your best player offensively. 
You got to get him the ball. You need to find a way. And the fact that there was a moment where there were 17 plays where he wasn't utilized once, that's a joke. That can't happen. That's the Doug Peterson that blows my mind. Your best offensive player doesn't get the ball in 17 consecutive plays. Not only that, when you need to finish off the game, your best offensive weapon isn't there. That's wild. Does it have to do with fatigue? Does it have to do with the glute? Does it have to do with the fumbling problems that he has had throughout his career? The fact that Doug Peterson gave us nothing in the presser, that bothers me. Because, you know what, if it is a glute, if it is some sort of hamstring, then say it. But you know how this works. They want to hide everything. They want to make sure they keep it quiet. I would have to think something is wrong. Because there's no way, when it's a must-win down, when it's a must-win drive, you don't have your best running back in the game. I can't justify that no matter what. For Boston Scott and Corey Clement, who, by the way, have been very underwhelming. I just can't support that logic whatsoever. That's a joke. That's a bad coach. And I know Doug Peterson isn't a bad coach. He frustrates me. He's not a bad coach. That's why I expect way more out of him. And that's why I have to imagine it was some sort of glute problem. Because nothing else makes sense at all to me. Nothing at all. All right, let's get to some phone calls here. I'm, I'm a little fired up. I'm a little juiced up. I think it's a good time to hear what the people have to say. It is never easy with this team. I tell you what, it was a hard-fought victory, and the Birds somehow managed to get it done against a very favored San Francisco 49ers team that's just as banged up as we are, but still they're a very good team and went to the Super Bowl last year, but... Carson Wentz looked shaky a, a lot of the game, but he came up big late, and I don't really know what Jim Schwartz was thinking playing that, that soft prevent defense. He, he, his scheme nearly cost us this game, but at the end of the day, the Eagles came out with the dub, and we're first place in the NFC East. Doesn't matter how bad the whole division is, that's how, that's how it stands after, we, after week four, so I'm happy tonight. Uh, it is never... I, I want to touch on the Jim Schwartz thing. The scheme at the end... Not my favorite. I I can't stand the Jim Schwartz criticism. I think it is just taken to a big-time extreme that I don't really enjoy, to be honest with you. So, listen to these stats. Four games in, the Eagles' defense is number one in the NFL in sacks, number nine in yards allowed, number five in yards per play allowed, and number five on third down. Jim Schwartz's scheme has been just fine. And it's also funny, the same people that hate Jim Schwartz are the same people that are saying Nate Gary is the most embarrassing football player in the league. This team has no linebacker. So for Jim Schwartz to dial up those type of statistics with the worst linebacking core in football and arguably the worst player in football, I don't see how he should be getting crucified. Now, I don't like the defense. I don't like him playing soft coverage. It's not my favorite in the world, but I also don't think the Jim Schwartz should be fired crowd makes a lot of sense. Jim Schwartz is a good defensive coordinator in this league, and what he did with Avery, Avery played like 15 or 16 snaps or so. He hit the quarterback five times. He was up 
And I think when he's playing up, he's a big-time factor. Derek Barnett, that defensive front, it was unbelievable. And Jim Schwartz's scheme is so impactful. It's so dominant when your front gets going. It works. It's insane. You got to have the guys up front working, though. I'm not saying Jim Schwartz is perfect. By no means am I saying he is perfect. I just feel the hate towards him is ridiculous. People remember what happened late, which I get it. It shouldn't have happened. And if you see the still shot of the last Hail Mary, it was actually really close, and Darius Slay got his hand on it to knock it out of the receiver's hands that was in play in the end zone. But people remember what happened there, and they don't remember what Jim Schwartz did throughout the actual game. The team forced plays to happen. Craven LeBlanc, Avery. They didn't just do it because they did it. Jim Schwartz put them in the position to go out and actually make that happen. They need to execute, no doubt about it. But Jim Schwartz's ideas was what allowed that to happen. And also what was mentioned was Carson Wentz sloppy early. Let me replay the beginning of that call because I, I want to get exactly what you said about Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz looks shaky a, a lot of the game. Carson Wentz looks shaky a lot of the game. I don't know if he looked shaky a lot of the game. I actually thought he looked like he had some confidence that he was playing to put everybody on his back. It looked very similar to last year. Did he miss some throws? Sure, he missed some throws. Once again, that second and nine to Miles Sanders, I was pretty vocal about this in the postgame pod. I think that's on Miles Sanders. You are an NFL playmaker. You have to catch that football. The the bad throw might cost you some extra yards because you need to adjust, okay? I'm not saying the throw was great by Carson Wentz, but I see plenty of guys out there every single Sunday who make a hard catch, who bail out their quarterback in certain spots. And that was a play where I think, hey, Miles Sanders, you, you have to do it. Everyone wants Carson Wentz to be this perfect, perfect quarterback who never misses the play, where everyone tries to compare him to other players. Drew Brees would never miss that. Tom Brady would never miss that. Yet, I feel you guys are unaware of Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah, they do miss some throws. Now, not to the level of Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz is in a bad spot. I'm not trying to defend Carson Wentz's play throughout the first three weeks specifically because he has missed throws that you do need to hit. I just feel people want him to be this obnoxiously perfect human being where he's never allowed to miss any throw ever. They have this false hope that he has this magnet on the football that connects to people's hands And it's just magnetic. And it doesn't work that way. It's just because you have the glued eyes to the Eagles green that makes you harshly criticize, love, rip apart specific players more than others around the league as a whole. I know a lot of people are mad at this team, but I'm proud of them. You know, they're going through a lot. You know, COVID, not having fans injuries, and they really fought tonight. Carson played a good game, other than that pick. That really wasn't his fault. He really did a good job with practice squad wide receivers. The old line could get better, but Jordan Malata, he did good. He did okay. The defense, they finally gave us some turnovers, but Jim Schwartz, that defense he runs is so 
stupid. Like, uh, other than that, we played a decent game. You know, it was sloppy, but. See, that's where I'm going again with the whole Jim Schwartz thing. I don't like the prevent defense. I'm not saying I'm a huge fan of it. But Jim Schwartz, I thought, was very solid in that game. Now, the coaching late on both sides. Doug Peterson, he went super conservative late offensively. Jim Schwartz went super conservative late defensively. They won the football game, though, did they not? The idea was, let's make sure that they don't have a lot of clock to be able to score a bunch of touchdowns. We don't want them to get a one-hitter, a big bomb, and then boom, there's so much clock left, and they're going to be able to have plenty of time to maybe work another drive together. So let them dunk it underneath, dunk it underneath, use the clock, use the clock, dunk it underneath, and they'll run out of time. And guess what? Jim Schwartz was right. It might not be pretty optically, but Jim Schwartz was right in that spot because they won the game because the 49ers ran out of time, closer than you want it to be. I'm not saying I love it, but Jim Schwartz, Jim Schwartz did so many good things, so many good things in this game. Yet, the last couple minutes, People are going to scrutinize and forget about the positives. Mentioned Mayalata. I think that's a good road to go down. Mayalata was awesome. He had the false start. I think there was one pressure that he would like to get back. But other than that, Jordan Mayalata was awesome. And I just wonder, if he continues to play this way while Jason Peters is on the IR, if Jason Peters comes back, is he just taking that spot back? My answer would be, hell no. Hell no. Do you move him back to right guard? People are questioning if he came back in right guard shape, which is a little thicker than the tackle, let's say. A little heavier, a little more meat to the bone. To me, though, Jason Peters just looks cooked. I'm not a fan with what I've seen out of him as a whole. I like Mylotta. And I wonder if, if he continues to play this well, what if he becomes your actual left tackle? Then you look at the whole Andre Dillard situation and things can get really confusing. But it's not a bad thing to have a bunch of offensive linemen because as you see, when one goes down and then two goes down and then three goes down, you got to have depth. And I'll give this organization credit. I can't stand what they do when it comes to drafting corners and wide receivers. When they draft offensive linemen, they do a phenomenal, and I mean phenomenal job at getting these linemen in this organization. And guess what? That's a bread and butter thing. All right, it's the bread and butter for the Eagles. And that's how you win football games, the trenches. And they do such an excellent job at landing these players and developing them. Stoutland, A+. That last pass, I thought for sure Kittle was going to catch the deflection. They survived despite some questionable play calling Injuries, the usual with the Eagles. Two guys on defense, I'll point out, though. Mr. Avery had a good game. He was in the backfield all night. And Alex Singleton, if Nate Gary is starting at linebacker again next week against Pittsburgh, there ought to be an investigation. I'm not saying Singleton is Sam Mills or Brian Urlacher, but at least the kid makes plays. I'll give him that. He has to be starting next week. I would hope so. And I think it's interesting because I heard Jeff Mosher of Inside the Bird say this on on his Monday morning podcast. Alex Singleton scored that touchdown. He had to pick six. First off, let's just throw this out there. How many times did you see Nigel Bradham get a ball thrown up right into his hands and he would drop it? So, you know what? Even though it, 
it hit him right in the chest. He made the damn catch. I've seen plenty of linebackers in this organization drop that ball. But going back to what Jeff Mosher was saying of Inside the Birds podcast, if that was TJ Edwards, because he went in when TJ Edwards went out, if that was TJ Edwards, is that a touchdown? The fact that that went in the end zone, that's big. That can't go unnoticed. And then I actually saw how fast he was running. I guess there was some stats on his speed and miles per hour that he was running. It was faster than what Jalen Rager ran on that 55-yard bomb earlier in the season. Wow, I didn't know he was that fast, but I think it's important to look at the fact that he actually scored that touchdown. Things would be completely different if that wasn't a pick six and it was just a pick, and let's say it gets stopped in the red zone. Then you might have to go to some gadget plays with Jalen Hurts. And, you know, after the game, I I saw what happened with Jason Kelsey. And Jason Kelsey had the bad snap over Carson Wentz. And then the play where Jalen Hurts fumbled. I didn't think it was a perfect snap by Jason Kelsey, but I thought that there was way too much premature movement. I saw it on the second go-around when I rewatched the game on Jalen Hurts. Almost like he was making the first move before actually getting the ball. Sort of like when a wide receiver thinks he has it so he turns his head and then he drops the ball because he wasn't focused enough to catch it. That's what it looked like happened to Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts fumbled the ball a couple times. Is the moment too big for him? It's hard to be a guy who's going to go play 3-4 plays. But it does seem like it is too intense for him at the moment. And it also feels like This Eagles team, Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman, whoever really wanted Jalen Hurts, they're forcing it. And I knew they would. They're trying to justify the pick. The one play, like I mentioned the Killens play that lost 12 yards. A lot of people were upset with it. I like the creativity standpoint of it because I've talked about it. I want motion. I want jet sweeps. I want there a lot to be misdirection, a lot going on to confuse the defense. That play specifically didn't work, but I'll live and die with attempting to be more creative than we have been over the last handful of games this season and realistically over the last couple of seasons as a team under Doug Peterson. But the one play with Jalen Hurts trying to throw it over to Carson Wentz and all that, it's too gimmicky at times. It's way too much. I think they're trying way too hard to prove, hey, look, Jalen Hurts, that was a pick that made sense. It wasn't. It just was not a pick that made sense. It wasn't a pick that made sense. We're not a dumb fan base. We're not. We're overreactionary at times. We're very passionate. We get upset. But I don't think we're stupid. You trying to sell us that Jalen Hurts was this magnificent pick Well, that just tells me you think we're stupid. Speaking of stupid, stupid people don't use BetQL. Smart people use BetQL. I use BetQL. BetQL gives you all the trends, all the analytics, all the data, all the sharp money information that you need when placing a bet. Why wouldn't you want to be more educated on all of the data that is out there that you can grasp when placing money on sporting events. It's a no-brainer. I've been following the professional money for weeks now, and I've been getting all of that from BetQL. And I'm telling you, I am literally making so much cash every damn night. Monday night football, two games, ka-ching! Baseball playoffs, ka-ching! You have to use it. If you are a sports better, or if you want to get into sports betting, 
Don't just go on your apps, your sport sportsbook apps, and start thinking, oh, I know who's going to win. I know who's going to win. It doesn't work that way. You need the analysis that they provide for you. If you use promo code BRODES20 at BetQL.com, you get 20% off of your first payment. It's so worth it. The amount of money that you spend on the first payment for the amount that you're getting in return from winning your bets. Come on. Be smart. Go to BetQL.com and use promo code BRODES20. Let's kick off the next call. I ended up going over to my neighbor's place. He's a Cowboys fan. And it turns out today turns out to be a pretty good day when I went over to hang with him today. I now get to say the Cowboys lost to the Browns and that we're in first place. But, hey, good enough for me. Let's hope something happens this season. <laughs> nice and simple. Yeah, the Dallas Cowboys, they're a mess. There's no doubt that they're all over the place. It's pretty embarrassing. Defensively, they can't do a damn thing. Their offense is flying all over the place. Their defense can't stop anyone. And then you think about drafting C.D. Lamb. Was it worth going after C.D. Lamb? He's a talented player. I'm not saying he isn't. But you have so many other holes. Your offense would have been just fine without C.D. Lamb, and maybe you could have got an impact player on the defensive side that would have helped you grow on that side of the football. But I'm not one of those guys that focus so heavily on what's happening with Dallas because the Eagles have too many problems. They have too many holes. If the Eagles were great, yeah, you know what? I would look at the Cowboys, but the Eagles aren't great. I got to worry about my problems first. Once they are fixed, then I can expand, but they're not fixed at the moment. Carson Wentz threw a dot to Fulgham. It was a beautiful catch. That's the Carson Wentz we need. Look, here's the thing. We talk about clutch genes and quarterbacks. Well, the last two weeks, Carson Wentz provided that drive that the Eagles needed to help put them in a position. Now, against Cincinnati, they ended up tying, but he had the big drive late to put them in that position anyway to go to overtime. And in this game, he threw the dot, and that was a serious throw. That was an elite throw. Awesome catch. That was an elite throw. And when you ask for your quarterback to make that one specific throw that can be the difference in the game or not, you need him to do it. And Carson Wentz did just that. I wonder what the wide receivers, though, are going to look like moving forward throughout the weeks. Folga made that catch. Well, what happens if Alshon comes back and you start getting pieces back? Deshaun Jackson, are you going to lose him? No, he made one catch. I'm not making it seem like he's now Julio Jones because of it. But did he earn a chance to stay out there? Zach Ertz. I want to touch on Zach Ertz real quick. There's three things to look at when it comes to Zach Ertz. Because he wasn't really a factor. And you could see the difference between him and George Kittle easily. Is he mad about the money with the organization? Is he just regressing because he's older? Or is it the fact that other teams are taking him away and forcing other guys to beat him? I think it's a combination of all of it. I think he is hurt that this organization might be moving on. And you know what? I actually support it. I think it's time to move on from Zach Ertz. You got Dallas Goddard, who is a stud. You're in cap hell. Zach Ertz, I think he's an awesome player. His prime was great. I'm moving on, though. I'm moving on. I'm watching other tight ends in this league walk circles around Zach Ertz. It's just reality. Fly, Eagles, fly. The run starts now. About to rip off six straight. Sight beat a crippled Niners team. We'll be lucky to win one out of the next four games. 
But, hey, I mean, at least it's good to see the Eagles win again, I guess. And Wentz is playing a little better. I like to see him actually running. That's actually exciting to see. I think that's helping him out. But still, his accuracy and the receivers seem to be off. I don't know. But, anyway, it was a fun game, and we'll see what happens next week. Yeah, I think it was a fun game. That's fine. You know, boring parts throughout, but in terms of winning the game, the way it ended, it was exciting to see this Eagles team win. I know the 49ers were banged up. I'm not downplaying that and making it seem like this was some huge, big-time win against the Kansas City Chiefs with Pat Mahomes on the road in that building against Andy Reid. I don't want to blow this out of proportion, but based off of where the Eagles were, it just gave us a little bit of life. What does this mean for the actual season, we don't have that information yet. But I'll tell you what, it's a lot better than going 0-3-1. And I, I was going to say, and really being out of it, but you really wouldn't be out of it based off this division. And the Cowboys should be 0-3. That's the thing. Wait, are they they're 1-3 right now? Yeah, they're 1-3. They should be 0-4. Damn it, Atlanta. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. I see a lot of reactions on social media. Everybody is pretty excited about first place. Bros, this team stinks. There isn't no talent on this team. This team is soft. Every time you turn around, somebody's getting injured. Winning the East in this terrible division, give more leeway to how we end up to make bonehead draft decisions like passing on DJ Metcalf for JJ Arcega White Shot. This franchise is poor at, you know, evaluating talent. You know, that win last night doesn't mean anything. It's cool, you know, see the Cowboys lose and all that, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're not going anywhere. I don't think anyone's getting ahead of themselves. It's pretty obvious where this team is at and how banged up they are. In terms of giving Howie and Doug Peterson a free pass, I don't think that that's realistic. I think people understand the circumstances. Yes, they went 9-7 and seven over the last couple of seasons, that got them in the playoffs in this division, but if they continue to go down the road, like if they make the playoffs at, what, 7-8-1, and one, I don't think people are going to justify how great of a season that is because they made the postseason. People would clearly understand the only reason why they were in there. And 7-8-1 and one is wishful thinking. I mean, you can maybe see a scenario where 6-9-1 and one wins the division, and let's say that's the Eagles. I'm just spitballing. No one's going to justify how great of a season that was because they made the playoffs. You would get it. Now, with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, there's been a lot of reports out there saying that Jeffrey Lurie was the one that stepped in and he overruled everybody to make that pick. And if that's the case, well, then you can't get on Howie and Doug Peterson for that because the owner is the one with the last say. Well, that's not confirmed or anything. It's just, you know, it's out there. There's rumors out there that maybe he had an impact on taking J.J. It's funny, though. Mike Gill and I, we talked about it on the Sports Bash. Should they cut him? Should they honestly just cut J.J. and say, you You suck? You're not good enough. You're not providing anything to sort of make a statement to the rest of the team that if you're not going to produce, we don't care what round you're picked in. You're getting canned anyway. You're getting out of here anyway. Jay Josh, horrendous. I don't see a situation where he comes and, and really does anything for this team. In terms of being soft, I actually thought the team played super, super hard. Now, if you say soft because they're getting injured, I don't really have the answer to why they're getting injured like this. It is getting ridiculous. I know all teams in football go through injuries, but it has hit another point with this Birds team, and it's very unfortunate. It's starting to get annoying because it's it's getting to way too many players every single year, and the fact that they're already on this level of practice squad players, it's a nightmare. It really is. It's week four. It's a nightmare, and it should not happen. 
But that also goes on the way you built your roster, right? Like, depending on a Deshaun Jackson, depending on, I know they didn't depend on an Alshon Jeffrey, but, you know, the, the roster's getting older. And that's what happens when your roster gets older. Fletcher Cox going out. Lane Johnson going out. Jason Kelsey went out, although he didn't miss any snaps. That's what happens when you get older in your career and you have an older team. Injuries start to happen. To be fair, Jalen Rager's young. Miles Sanders is young, and he's been nicked up. I guess that's more standard in the running back position, though. Avante Maddox is young. So it's happening all over the place. It's annoying, and I don't really have the answer, sadly. It's just maybe unlucky. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that I appreciate everybody who left their calls and everybody who has listened to this episode of Sports Talk with Broads, which is sponsored by Orbit Energy and Power. With over 20 years of experience in the solar industry, Orbit Energy and Power is home to solar experts in residential and commercial projects. Their solar program helps eliminate your electric bill completely by offering flexible financing solutions such as $0 down. They also provide water purification, clean, healthy water for your family, backup energy services, battery storage, tree removals, electrical upgrades, and more. Their information is down below. One, two, and one. Where does this team go from here? What does this win actually mean? Hmm. Interesting question, Broach. Maybe we will dive into that next time. Thank you all so much, and I will see you next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.